Okay, here we go. Yep. I'm going to do this sermon differently than I had originally thought I would. And so um, I'm just changing it up based on what I'm, what I'm sensing right now. I'm going to have everyone, if you would, help me. Would everyone stand to your feet? We're going to try to read this verse together, and then we'll pray. Everyone up. And here we go. Mark chapter 10. Um, this is Jesus talking in the scriptures. And he says this, Then James... And John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and they spoke to him. And they said, Teacher, we want you to do us a favor. What's your request, he asked. They replied, When you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in the places of honor next to you. But Jesus said to them, You don't know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink from? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of the suffering that I must be baptized with? He's talking about the death that he's about to have. And he's like, you guys want to sit in the highest place? Guys, uh, that seat's reserved for some some, uh, rough stuff. And uh, he says, oh, yeah, don't worry. They replied, we're able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from the bitter cup and be baptized with the baptism of suffering, but you have no right to say, But I have no right to say who will sit at my right hand or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones that he has chosen. Then the ten other disciples, James and John, um, heard what James and John had asked, and they were indignant. So Jesus called them together, and he said, You must know that the rules in this world, the rulers in this world, lorded over their people. The The officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you... It must be different. Whoever wants to be the leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, please help. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Cool. Today, um, we're, we're talking about learning to love like Jesus. And um, I, I can't say for everyone, but um, the greatest love that I've ever heard of on all of the earth came from Christ, especially for me. Um, so I come from a broken background. Uh, my family, um, you know, single home and uh, just a lot of chaos in my childhood. And hearing of the love of God really changed the game for me, Uh, especially when I understood that it wasn't things that he did generically, but that it was done personally for me. That, That was really odd. And then I began to experience the love of God, and it was like God was doing those things that he did then again to me. And as I begin to read the word and I tr- was trying to seek God, I can almost feel God healing me, loving me. And as he's being patient with others that were forgotten, it was like he was being patient with me as I was forgotten. And it was like constantly the love of God was being poured out in my life. And God began to teach me of a new love. Now, Jesus is the greatest man that's ever walked the face of the planet. Not says me, but says everyone from 
every major religion under the sun. They all recognized Jesus as a massive teacher, someone that was fantastic, and not just in his teaching ability, but in his efforts and his actions and the things that he did. And, uh, and, and he, he was just filled with love. But love uh, comes at a cost. To, to love is to give. And Jesus is saying that the rules of this world, so the hard thing is, is I was raised in, in the mindset of like, hey, get big, make money, do great things for yourself. Get the house you want, get the family you want, it's, it's about you. But when I realized that when I was broken, it was because I was so busy chasing after everything that I wanted that I didn't realize what the purpose of life was. Life was about giving, not about receiving. And as I look at what Jesus is saying, he's saying that like everyone that climbs the ladder wants to be on top. If you really want to be great, this is how you do it. You, you serve those under you. But most people want to be great so that people serve them, so that they make money for themselves. And Jesus is trying to flip the script and saying, hey, look, if you want to be first, you're actually going to have to be last because those that are first are going to end up last. Those that uh, exalt themselves one day they'll be humbled, but those that humble themselves one day will be exalted. And what's hard is that the, the principles of the kingdom of God contradict the society that we live in. And it's really a backwards understanding of like, hey, wait, I don't get it. If I'm great, I'm going to serve. He says, yeah, look, if you want to be the first, here's the concept. And, and here's the problem. There's a lot of people that are struggling with depression, struggling inside themselves. And a lot of it is because we can't get out of our own head and we don't understand that the mission is not about me because it's so empty as I'm trying to fill up and every night I'm realizing I'm empty, I'm empty, I'm empty, I'm empty. And what I'm realizing is that as I'm giving, I'm actually getting richer and richer and richer and richer and there's more purpose. And Jesus says, I didn't come to be served. I didn't come to be the highest on, on the hill. No, no, I came to serve. To love is to give. Last week we said that if you're going to love, you got to do it in community, right? Like, like the way Jesus came to, not for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. He said, I didn't come for the sick. I came for the, for the unhealthy. He said, I, I, didn't, I didn't come to, to be served, but to serve. He said, I, I didn't come uh, to, in, there was all of these, I, didn't, I came to seek and save the lost. These are why he came, but how he came is he was just a normal dude that did normal things with people. And most of the things that Jesus did was just, he met with people in their homes, in their lives, and had normal conversations talking about great things we're going to do and we're going to love people and we're going to, and it just inspired people. And you know, what's weird is in the culture that we have today, it's like everyone wants to get alone and be by themselves. But why? We're empty there. We've got to get with other people, connect, share, and we've got to get with other people, connect and share, and get with other people and connect and share. And so that's what we're trying to do as a church. This week, last week, we talked about how Jesus came and how he came was he met with people. And this week, we're talking about not why he came. He came to seek and save the lost. But how he came is he came and he gave. Let me break it down for you. How is it that God came? The Bible says in, in this, this, this passage, you may have heard of it. It's called John three sixteen. It, it says this. It, it says for... Um, this is how God loved the world. He gave. 
This is how God loved the world. Mind-blowing theology here. He gave. This is how you'll know what love is. By people that give to you. You know why our hearts explode so much when, when, when parents have kids? Because there's never anything you've ever done in your life that costs you more than having a little stinking, snotty, poopy, vomity, crying. Like, this. what good does this thing do for me other than, like, it cost me everything. I sleep not. I get thrown up on, like, it, and, and, and yet you love it more than anything. You that have experienced love in your life, before we move on with the sermon, I'm going to ask you to, 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 everyone close your hand for a second. And I'm going to ask you to think of three people, not that you love, but have had the, ma- the biggest impact in loving you. Okay? When you think of the first person, the biggest impact in loving you, point your first finger out. Now think of the next person. Now think of the third. For God so loved the world that he gave. And the reason why this is important is because all of us have recognized people at one point or another in our life that have been good to us. And the reason why we recognize their goodness in our life is because of what they gave to us. And make no mistake about it, there was a massive cost involved for what they gave to you so that you would know love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever loved him would not perish but have an everlasting life. Hmm. What did it cost Jesus? You know, I think he's one of the most fantastic things ever and I think about all the stories and the ways that he loved and, uh, you know, I think throughout scripture and even as I'm reading the stories about the disciples and how they're like, hey, Jesus, we want to sit next to you. And he's like, oh, man, trust me, you don't want to sit next to me. Yeah, Jesus is kind of funny. He's the most opposite teacher of everyone else in the scripture because most people love it when people like come to their church or sign up to be their Instagram followers or they'll do anything to get more followers in their life. And Jesus kind of discouraged it, really. Even in this passage, they're like, hey, can we sit to your right or left? And he's like, dude, you don't, you don't know what it's going to cost you to sit in that seat, man. I'll tell you right now, I signed up for something I don't even want to do. Uh, he really, like, oh, there were times, I'm not lying, when in the Bible where Jesus, he was praying before he went to the cross, and he says, oh, God, if there's any other way out of this, pass this cup from me. Like, I signed up, but, man, this is heavier than I thought it was going to be. And this is everyone. When you enter into a scenario where there's going to be love, love, Equals cost. It's going to cost you. And many people want to to be in a relationship. They want to be loved. But you don't realize that it's not about being loved. It's about loving. Many people want to be married, but they don't actually want to be married. They want a wedding. And and, and because, listen, it's hard to be in a committed relationship. It costs. It sucks a lot. I'm sorry for the little ones in this room. Listen, like it's the real deal. It hurts me to love you. And it hurt Jesus to love the broken, the handicapped, the crippled, the poor, those that didn't have food, those that were dead in their graves. Like it cost Jesus something. How much did it cost Jesus? Well, 
Uh, let me explain it to you like this. This is what Jesus said. They're, they're, they, they said in Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 58, and he says, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, hey, I will follow you wherever you go. I love it. This happens all the time. And Jesus replied to them, yeah, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but I don't even know where I'm sleeping tonight. You sure you want to come? What he's saying is, guys, I don't, I don't know where we're going. I don't have money to eat. I don't know where I'm sleeping. Now, why is he saying this? Because he sacrificed comfort to travel. He didn't have a, a, a Wells Fargo checking account that he can debit at the Airbnb, every, every hotel he went to. He literally just said, we're going, and we're going to look for people, and we're going to share love. And sometimes that means it's going to be a massive inconvenience tonight. And what I've learned is that sometimes that cost is too much. But I know inside of the heart that you have and the side of the heart that I have, God has called us all to do great things. Amen. But I think somewhere along the line, we got sold something that like love looks like what you give me. But what I've, the Bible says that God is love. And God loves so much that he gave and I'm learning in my own life that when I am, my tank is the fullest, it's when I. So I experienced the first John chapter four says it this way. We love because he first loved us. I can love you because I've now understand a new love that I didn't know before. I can love you when you don't love me because I understand a new love. And, and this is important, guys, because um, sometimes we don't feel like loving new people. And it's an inconvenience. And it's out of our, the rhythm of our day. And it's out of the rhythm of my life. And some of us in this room, we really don't care about having anyone else in our circle but I want you to know that God doesn't care about your comfort zone. He's calling you and commissioning you to love human beings. This is your destiny. This is what you're called to do. And your life is going to be massively disappointing until you learn it's not about you. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be mean. Like this is... But I, I don't get that because when I turn on TV, you know, it feels like if I just buy that product, then I, I'm happy now. And it feels like if I, just, if I just sign up for this dating website, my life would be fulfilled. And if I just get, like, it's not in people. It's actually, the, the answer to life is to give. And I see it in Christ. If God came to earth and gave, what makes us think that our life is going to be any different as we walk on this earth? So Jesus loved, how will you love? Trying to make it more simple, though, because um, I, I, I feel like you have to see it in different stages of the way that love can break down. And, and uh, the, the easiest way that I, I saw it was there was this author, his name was Gary Chapman, and years ago he wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. And if you haven't read it, it's good for everyone, whether you're in a relationship or you're not. It is a healthy scenario to recognize what love looks like 
um, and what love looks like coming from other people regardless of whether or not you favor that kind of love. And so essentially this book is talking about how people receive love in, in different ways. And in relationships, people will argue because they feel like they're not being loved even though the other person is doing their greatest efforts. It's just happening from a different rhythm. And he breaks it down into five categories, this book. Um, and uh, uh, do me a favor, would you raise your hand if you've ever read this book? Oh, well, fantastic. And other people are like, crap, well, I've never heard of this book before. I've got to get this book. It's really, really good. It really is. Uh, it's healthy, and it's a short read. Like, I don't sell a lot of books out here today, but I, 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 um, it's good. He says that there's five effective ways to, to love someone. Uh, one is, is, um, is with gifts. Uh, one is through words. One is through touch. One is through time, and one is through acts of service. And as I look at Jesus in the scriptures, what's so fantastic is that he executed all five rhythms in my life. Here's what I mean. I'm looking for God's love, and what I'm realizing is he did it, and as I'm reading it, I'm realizing is he's doing it for me. So I'm just going to throw out there like 10 quick stories and explain that you can kind of see God's love personalities in different rhythms. Here you go, as quickly as I can. One, gifts. Jesus fed thousands of people. They're coming out to hear him teach, and Jesus didn't call a taco truck, right? They didn't have little ladies with like a donkey and a cart, and they're making tortillas real quick, and like it didn't, they didn't, you know, it didn't, didn't happen. They didn't have that possibility. So he's like, okay. We're going to provide for all of these people. Help me out real quick. If you're in this room today and you've ever, God's ever provided for you in a scenario where you needed provision and God came through in a crazy way, would you raise your hand? Let me show you again. Uh, there, there were constant healings that Jesus would do in different scenarios. And, 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 and it, can you imagine this? Can you imagine if you're blind and you can't see? And all of a sudden, this guy, some people hate him. They think that he's crazy. This guy's nuts. And then he comes around, and he walks into your life, and he, you hear him. Oh, you're G. Okay, yeah, what? wait a second. Tell me, open my eyes. I like this guy. <laughs> I don't care what you say about this guy. He touched me. Yeah. And he gave me something. Help me out real quick. If you're here and you've ever received a healing in your body, would you raise your hand? Isn't that crazy? Hold on, hold on, hold on. God gives gifts to people. Two, words. Jesus, in the scripture, he, he would say statements like this, your sins are forgiven. I literally have goosebumps on steroids right now because there's no other person that has ever been able to tell me that. There's no other person that would say like, hey, I know what you did. I paid the price. Don't worry about it. We're over, we're, we're over it. We're not talking about it anymore. It's behind us. It's a new day. Raise your hand if you ever heard God tell you that. Let me give you this one. Neither do I condemn you. Whew. Or... Check this out. Jesus is doing this big teaching and he raises Lazarus from the grave and then he follows it with this teaching that says, hey, as the Father has loved me, so do I love you. Wait, wait. 
The God of the universe looks over at you and he says, I, I, I hurt you. That's like I have no other words now. You know what I mean? Like when God's like to, to believe that that actually could be for me, it's I, I kind of have to talk myself up to believe like, man, God, really? Me. God's words touch where he, I love it, I love it, I love it. It's like when um, some of you are new here today, but you're gonna see when church lets out, there's gonna be like a million kids that run crazy through this church. I love it. It's like my favorite thing. Most of them will play tag. They'll be hitting each other with things. It's crazy obnoxious. And, and religious people, like the disciples, would yell at the kids and say, hey, kids, like Rachel, she'd say, hey, Micah, stop. And I'm just kidding, Rachel. I, don't, I love you, I'm just kidding. No, uh, Rachel's here, and she's a good friend of mine, and she yells at my kids all the time because she's good, and we need to yell at our kids, Amen. All right, shouldn't have said that. I love you, Rach. Um, Jesus embraced the little children, whereas everyone else said, these kids don't have a place here. I can see the kids playing freeze tag in Jesus' base, you know, and he brought them close to himself, and I love that, and I can imagine years from now, like, can you, when you were, when you were eight, if you ever got to meet a rock star, like, can you imagine, I met Derek Jeter when I was nine years old, you know, it was like the coolest thing in the world, and he hung out, and we took a selfie, yeah, like, I was nine years old, and I was walking down the street, and Jesus was, like, there, and I got to hang out with him, and all my parents were like, don't, get away from Jesus, and he was like, no, I, I like this little one, it'd be special, and I think that Jesus made time. I don't know. I just think that that's, he wasn't abnormal. He was just a normal guy. I think about when he embraced the sick. Now, this has become one of my favorite stories, and I don't know, maybe it's because it's, it's become more real to me, but uh, there's, there's, there's multiple stories in the scripture where someone had leprosy. And, um, and they, so it's the scenario with leprosy is now no one touches that person or anything that that person touches. Now, can you imagine there being a year or two or three years that go by where you have zero physical contact, yet you're surrounded by people? So people that you love can't touch you or anything that you touch. You're unclean. You are not loved. You, like, this is a terrible feeling, and then this guy comes by, and he hugs you. I like this guy. And I have been that person where I felt like everyone walked out on me. And the only one that I could call on was Jesus. I want to love like Jesus. Here's another love language that Jesus did was time. I think that this is so cool. Listen, there was this scenario where the, the woman was at the well, and I get a sense that this woman was kind of broken in her life. The scripture says that she was married like five times. And so I think of like, constant rejection that she like and she just kind of felt like she didn't deserve a place in this world and the bible at that point there was only one place to worship and it was in jerusalem and jesus was like no ma'am listen right wherever you go that's where we're gonna worship and she was like what she was so excited that jesus made time for her that he went out of his way to find her and spend time with her. He was going to Jerusalem, and he went about 30 miles in the wrong direction to hang out with a lady, and he sent all of his disciples to go do something different so he could hang out with her at this well. And she was so excited, she went home and told all of her family, we gotta have dinner with this guy, Jesus. He's so cool, because it's love. She experienced love through time. Here's another one, crippled beggars. I think of what it would have been like for, for 
been walked past forever. You're asking for someone to help you. You're asking if someone could take you to the bathroom. You're asking if someone can take you home. You're, they just leave you on the side of the road with a bucket and you're asking all day long for some money or if someone can help you. And here's a guy that stops, says, hey man, I know who you are. Rise and walk. I'm all in because you know me. Last one here is, is acts uh, uh, of service. And I think of my, my favorite is probably that Jesus carried my cross. Like that was the greatest act of love that I, I know of. I did everything wrong and you did everything right for me. I broke it. You paid for it. That's nuts. Or this one. Jesus kneels down at his disciples' feet and he washes their feet. Uh, time out. I don't know about you, but feet, I don't. We got one rule in my house, man. I don't, you, can, you kids can play with anything you want. Steak knives, you can juggle fire. Don't touch my feet. And Jesus, um, <laughs> child abuse maybe, I don't know. <laughs> um, I got jokes. How did people love you? In your life, how did you recognize love? Because the greatest call on your life is when you leave this place and you love like him. So how will you love as you leave this place today? How will you love as you leave this place today? Mother Teresa said this, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can love, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And the call of God on our lives is to love. And we do that through giving. And I'm telling you, it comes at a cost. Now, as an American, there's not a lot of things that cost us a whole lot. But you will be inconvenienced. And for some of you, your pride gets in the way. Some of us, we have a linear thinking. We have a task list. And anyone that gets in the, in the, in the direction between A and B is, is in the way. And, and it's hard to get out of the way of ourselves to answer the phone sometimes and be a friend. But that's time and that's helpful. Or to cancel your plans and go to a friend's house and help them move. They'll remember that and that will mean something to them. Their car breaks down and you're handy. I know you'd rather rest but it's an act of love that is never forgotten. This, I heard this week of two people in our church that within the last three months gave away one of their cars. What? I'll tell you, they'll never forget it. That's love. Like I love that we're becoming a community that's doing powerful things to love people. I, I, I've... Mm. you can give without loving but you cannot love without giving Joyce would you come down real quick I'll tell you a story about someone that I think is pretty rad in our church her name is Joyce can you guys give it up for my friends Joyce um, when I tell you that love is going to inconvenience you and it's going to cost you something uh, I want to tell you a little something about someone that I believe is one of the most unselfish people in this room 
And Jesus says that the first will be last, but the last will be first. Joyce has put herself last more times than anyone I know. There's, everyone in this room was probably, could probably say at one point or another that fi- finances have been hard and we could all use some more money in our bank account. Anyone else? I, okay. I, Joyce has found herself in that situation several times where um, you can't afford something, right? Uh, what the neat thing about Joyce is I remember a couple years ago, Joyce joined our church and um, she was so excited about Joyce um, is missing her right arm, but she had gotten news that she was going to get this like this mechanical arm and it was super rad because I remember when she got it, she was so stoked. Anyone that was here can tell you. Joyce would be like, hey, wait, I got to show you this. And she's like, I can pick up this, uh, this cup now and other stuff. And she's just a powerful, hard worker. Like when we met her, uh, there, her, there was a tree fell in her house and we went over to her house and helped her and uh, we were um, the tree fell in her house and so we were putting up new sheetrock in the house and repatching the roof uh, what was so neat was as we looked out the window Joyce this single older lady with one arm who probably like can't do what most men she's moving oak trees in the yard by herself oak if you don't know if you've never moved an oak tree before it's not fun. I prefer Ikea wood over anything, right? Um, and so Joyce is a hard worker who's found herself in a hard place more times than anyone I know. But Joyce, um, it cost her something to love. Here's what you need to know about um, Joyce. Uh, she got a phone call uh, a month ago that said, um, hey, um, congratulations, Joyce. I know you've been on the list for 15 years, but um, we, uh, you are now the recipient of a bionic arm. She's, she got a new phone call. Uh, isn't that cool? So cool. The problem is that the bionic arm is in New York, and um, Joyce doesn't have the funds to get up there. And so from long before she even heard this, Joyce has been doing a ministry out of her own pocket every month where she feeds between 50 and 60 people that are homeless out of her own bank account every week. Sometimes they'll call her back and say, hey, look, we don't have someone to feed them tonight. Can you come short notice and pay for the food and cook it for all of these people? Oh, and by the way, it's not in Lakeland. She has to drive over to Plant City out of her way to be inconvenienced to show love to people. Well, she was informed me how excited she was. And then I asked her about this trip in New York. And she let me know she can't go because she can't afford it. But you know where she was last week? Over in Plant City, paying for people to eat. I believe that the first um, will be last, but the last should be first. And people that give out of their lack should be honored. And I think it'd be really rad if our church um, helped you, Joyce, go to New York and uh, I, um, someone even said this morning that we're going to help you and we're going to pay for you to bring someone with you so you're not going by yourself. Um, and uh, we want to put you up in a hotel and take care of you because here's the deal, man. You give when you can't afford to give. And I think that you live the kind of lifestyle that every Christian is supposed to be living. And it's people like you that are ridiculously convicting to people like me. And so I, I, I love you. I applaud you. And this is not coming from me. This is coming from people within our church. It was suggested from among our church and paid for by our church. And if you want to help, get Joyce to New York. And uh, she probably does, she said, I'm just going to try to stay at a hotel um, and then just go right to the hospital. What? You're in New York, man. Do you need to 
go down to the square. You need to go like eat some pizza, right? You gotta, you gotta get kicked out of some shop and like no soup for you. We gotta. Uh, we love you, man. We gotta, I love you, Joyce. If you if you want to give to Joyce to help her to go, you can memo Joyce on your app um, and just put Joyce, and we'll give that money to her so she can get up there. But I think it's rad, man. And like sometimes um, I want you to know that people experience love through people like Joyce's lifestyle because she has put herself last, and so many people ate and had a full belly, and sometimes they do it out of not even knowing, like they're abusing the system. But there are some people I've been there in those lines where they recognize, I am thankful for what you're doing. And Joyce, I'm thankful for what you do all the time. She leads our outreach team and uh, people like you, Joyce, we need more of. Cool. I got to bring this thing to a close. I'm going to do it and try, try to do it in 10 minutes. Um, okay. I'm trying to get this in. Um, because it's got to be inserted. If we're talking about giving, then we also have to talk about finances, and we have to talk about finances in the house. Now, if you're new here, this is where you go, yeah, they're like every other church. If you were here last week, then you would know that we didn't talk about money last week or the week before that or the week before that, and you'll probably notice we haven't passed an offering plate because we don't talk about money most of the time as a church. As a church, um, we actually, there's some of you that go to our church that rebuke me on a constant basis because I don't talk about giving, and I should, and I realize that I should, and it's super important. We believe in tithing, okay? Uh, if you're going to give, here's the thing. Our house, it's cool that we were able to do the women's choice thing last month and help out with, with moms that decided to save their baby's life, and we're going to help take care of them. It's cool that we're able to do the homeless project and send money to missionaries and help meet people's needs. We do that because you guys uh, give, and some of you don't know how to tithe, um, and it's okay. Uh, but I'd encourage you to start. The Bible wants us to give 10% of our finances to God. It, I want to make sure you're clear, though. The Bible doesn't ask for 10%. The Bible asks for 100% of our finances. We manage those finances in, in according to what God wants us to do in our life. I do believe that God wants you to have good things. This is not one of those messages that believes that you need to be poor and like eating terrible food on a like moldy bread. Like, no, that's not the... Um, you can have good things. The problem is our culture has told us that we need to have all good things. And we need to have that and that and that and that and that and that. And we feel like we're broken when we can't afford to have all of those things. But I believe that I've learned that in my life, the more I consume, the more I, the more I don't have. It creates like this hollow shell. I promise you, I'm a stranger to some of you. But I dare you to try this. I dare you this week to give money, not to us, to someone you don't know. Find someone that has a need and watch. The Spirit of God will talk to you in a way that you'll know that God's real. Because inside of you, there's an applause that lets off because God loves a cheerful giver. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver and something inside of you is known. Oh man, that was awesome. That was awesome. God wants us to give, and I believe that 10% of our income comes to the house, but here's the problem. Some of us, because we give 10% to the house, now I'm talking to the church, we think that we fulfilled the gospel. And here's what Jesus said about tithing in the New Testament. 
In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, he said this to the religious people. He says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law and Pharisees? You're hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even to the tiniest income of your herbs and your garden, and you ignore the more important aspects of the law, like justice and mercy and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. And what he's saying is, yes, give, but give. Like love people, love human beings. That's the gospel. Part of our life is that, we, that we've been blessed and we should bless. We, should, we need to give to the church so that we can have a service this week. We need to, and we, more importantly, here's what you need to know. We are doing fine. I'm not asking anyone to give. You take that up with the Lord and ask him. He'll, he'll, you guys will work it out. But we give. Mostly we, we give our love. And so this is the last five minutes that I'm asking for. How will you love this week? What will it cost you? David, King David, the man in the Bible who, who said he had a heart after God, he said this, let me not sacrifice what costs me nothing. If it doesn't cost you your time, you're probably doing it wrong. If it doesn't cost you a few kind words, you're probably doing it wrong. If it doesn't co cost you a simple touch, you're probably doing it wrong. If it doesn't cost you uh, 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 some kind of act of service, you're probably doing it wrong. If it doesn't, you see what I'm saying? If this is how Jesus loved us, this is how we love others. And mostly, in the, I don't know about any other country or anywhere other country or state or anything, but here, the biggest thing it's gonna cost you is you're gonna be inconvenienced. Love equals giving. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. I'm begging you as another follower of Jesus. The world needs to see generosity. They need to see radical generosity. And many of us are filling our own life up with other stuff that's shiny and it's fun and I need this and if I can only get this while other people are crying for a kind word. How will you love? Now, I asked you about the three people that, you, that loved you. And I don't know how you experienced that love when they loved you. But I, I, I bet that there's people currently in your life that need you to love. And this week, I learned this. Many of us only have four or five people that we have room for in our life. But God is not calling us to four or five people. He's calling us to a community. Now, there, your community is probably not just at church. Here's the thing. You have to understand, if you have a job anywhere, God put you there. And he put those people that you work next to, you're ordained to be standing next to that guy, even though they drive you crazy. Here's what you got to understand. Jesus loved people that smelled funny, that looked funny, that walked funny, that talked funny. He, he loved people that didn't have the same faith as him or doctrine as him. He loved people that, did, that, were, that just lived different lifestyles, that voted different politically. 
Jesus even, man, imagine that. This week on, I, I just hate social media this week. Just garbage. People just tanking on each other. That is not love. It's not love. You ain't got to dump on someone else because they're stupid. Like, what? When, oh, man, uh, I probably wasn't supposed to be in there. All right, here we go. Um, Jesus said that we have to love our enemies. And sometimes our enemies think differently than us, act differently than us. And, uh, and, and, and here's the thing. Even I believe that the people that um, annoy you the most are the ones that God is calling you to the greatest. Because everyone that Jesus loved inconvenienced him. And that's annoying. I'm sorry. When I'm driving down the road and I see someone with a flat tire and my heart gets pricked, I'm already annoyed because I know what I got to do and I don't want to do it. But you have to. Because you have to go and you have to answer the call. And I don't know what their call is if it's uh, someone who doesn't have money at Walmart in the checkout aisle or, or, or this week someone who's a server who needs to know that God didn't forget them and you can give them an extra $30 on your tip. I don't know what it is, but there are people in our life that need to experience love and that's gonna come through you because you've experienced love and this world is dying for real love. I'm done. Close, would y'all bow your head to close your eyes for me? Deb, would you come, please? Um, Lord Jesus, uh, here's the anthem of my heartbeat is to love like you, to reach people like you reached people. I want my life to make a difference. Lord, I want to know that when I, when I die my last breath, when I give it all up, Lord, I want to know that I, I was good to people. I loved well, that I spent what I had, I, I, I gave I gave kind words and I reached out to people and Lord, I just, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be filled with myself. Would you teach me to love like you?